And I'm Erin Babornik. Welcome to Coeb's Adult Ed Advocast. The Advocast is a partner podcast of Coeb's State Advocate for Adult Education Fellowship. Each episode highlights challenges and successes in advocacy. We also highlight a new student story. We're glad you're here. Now let's get started. Hi, Erin. You, you almost let loose who our guest is. <laughs> I know. Well, let's see if we can edit it out. <laughs> How are you, Sarah? Good. How are you? I'm I'm doing pretty well. I actually just ordered my luggage on Amazon last night. Oh wow. So that I am I am getting ready for conference season and most importantly for the COAB conference in Nashville. Wow, that is very exciting. Ooh, now I'm curious to see how your luggage looks like. And I'm very excited to see you again, again in person. We don't get to see each other in person. No, this will be the second time. <laughs> yes, yes. We talk maybe on a weekly basis um, and here and there we text and all of that. But you live very far away from me, so I don't get to see you and chat with you and sit and have a coffee, or maybe we could go for a run together this time. Ooh, that I, that we can certainly do. <laughs> yeah, exciting. So when is Coeb? Coeb is coming up in March. So March. the pre-conference is on March 17th, which I'm really excited about. Um, and I always have this problem with every part of the conference, but especially the pre-conference, because it's just that one day and there's so much good content that I can't decide where I want to go. And yes. if I could have like a lot more than one errand, I would be in all of the different sessions, but I have to narrow it down. I haven't made any decisions yet. And then the rest of the conference is Monday the 18th through Wednesday the 20th. Right. Um, and I started looking at the sessions and there are so many good presenters presenting and I cannot wait to go to their sessions. So very exciting. And I'm also really, really excited for the Learner Summit, which is happening on wow. Monday, um, March 18th, which is going to be um, a series of sessions that are presented by adult learners and alumni to adult learners and alumni. So having a lot of uh, people with, with lived experience of going through adult education there at the conference, sharing their tips and trick tricks for, I guess maybe not tricks of how they get through adult ed, um, but just recommendations. And I think it's gonna be really powerful. And I'm just, I mean, I'm excited about the whole thing. Um, you know what? This is such a new concept because every time we go to a conference, it's usually um, teachers, administrators, all educators getting together, learning about, about students, learning um, how to teach students. Um, but 
this time we are going to be learning with students us and from and from yes right exactly and we're going to be sitting next to our students going to to sessions together and such a unique concept so exciting i cannot wait to go to their sessions i know and i know we're going to be at the students as leader strand um a lot because <laughs> that's always where we end up but there are also just a ton of other strands like the advocacy strand that's always really powerful um and this time i'm going to bring tissues to the students as leader strand because yeah the stories are always <laughs> it always gets emotional <laughs> yes 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 that's great yeah. well and speaking of this incredible conference and the amount of work that goes into it and um kind of the the COABE initiatives and the different focuses that are happening. Um, I think that's a good segue for our two special guests today. It is very exciting because we're going to have our very own Sharon Bonnie um, with us today to talk about COABE. <laughs> yes, and we're also being joined by Hector Martinez, who is the president-elect of COABE. So he'll be able to share with us um, so the, the vision of the future as well. So um, let's, let's give them a nice Advocast welcome. So welcome, Sharon and Hector. Hi, welcome Thank to Advocast. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Good. Thank you. And neither one of you are brand new to the Advocast. So that, that tells the listeners that you have just a wealth of information that we need to keep tapping you <laughs> to get more. So this year is a pretty special year in terms of COABE's history. So Sharon, do you wanna share what, what makes this year special for COABE? I would love to. It's really nice to be with you all. And I'm excited because it's our 25th year that we've been incorporated as an organization, um, as the, the Coalition on Adult-Based Education. And what's really special about this year as well is we are just about to tap on 50,000 um, members, which is really, really special for us. We know that there is a field of about 79,000 teachers and administrators out there. So that's our goal is to reach all of them, that they all would be members. But, um, you know, considering when we started it's, it's a great accomplishment, and I, I believe that that speaks to the fact that the, the teachers and administrators love to come together and to be a part of a community of providers um, that are working for the good of their adult learners. So I think that's why we've seen such growth over the last 25 years. Wow, that is amazing. Congratulations. Congratulations to you. Thank you for all the hard work and dedication to this field. And thank you for creating this unique opportunity for us. And congratulations to us. Um, yeah. <laughs> I have to it, say, it really is a team effort. You know, we have an amazing board of directors. Um, they hold, our regional reps hold quarterly meetings for the members, and they also hold uh, quarterly meetings for state leaders. But they're also out there at state level meetings, state conferences. And our very own Hector Martinez, he went literally across the country to to meet with a potential partner with for us recently. So we have our board is out there as well wow. um, at the executive level. 
having many meetings too. And that's one of the things we've learned is we're stronger together. The more we can have partnerships in place, the better it is for the field. That's great. Um, Sharon, tell us a little bit about the history of COEP. How did it start? What was the intention back then? What did you have in mind? Well, if we're gonna really go back to our roots, it, it, the farthest back I can find information was 1970. And what's kind of interesting about COEB is that um, we were actually like a department of another company. So the organization called AAACE, we were a department back in the day and our conferences have like 300 people, you know, so just more like a state association, sort of a, a look and feel to it. Um, and that went on for decades, really for a long time in 1999 or 98 was when I engaged with COAVE. Um, it was really, uh, they had broken away from that organization that they were a department underneath and they were looking for services, uh, everything from like back then there wasn't the internet or if there was people weren't on the internet yet. It was more about like business cards and membership support and things like that. So the organization that I worked for at the time was very interested in providing that basic infrastructure support. And I worked at that company. Um, at the time it was called Lawbach Literacy. Their motto was each one teach one and win one to Christ. So it was a very faith-based organization um, started by a missionary who felt that when you help people with literacy, you help them up and out of poverty and into a family sustaining job. He really saw that as very critical. In fact, he had a, a newspaper called News For You, which was written at the fourth grade reading level for learners. Um, and written right out of Syracuse University back in the day. So the uh, Lawbach Literacy had been around for decades. They had a wonderful reputation and I was working there. Um, and I still remember when my boss brought up the idea at the time of, hey, what do you think about CoAve and possibly helping them out? Um, so I remember our senior management group sat down and looked at what we could do and how we could support CoAve. And that was the beginning of a, just a, a fantastic relationship um, over the years. One of the things I have loved about COAVE is our board is so open to ideas, um, like listening to the field and then taking, okay, what's going on in the field? How can we address it? And this is where I'd love to kind of punt to Hector because he's been around for a long time at COAVE in various roles and responsibilities. And Hector, wouldn't you say that's kind of the beauty, in my opinion, that's like one yep. of the beautiful things about our board is just how open they are to trying things that will help the field. Yeah, I, I can I can say, um, Sharon, that I I've been involved with COID since um, that separation from from the previous um, entity, and and I was in Chicago, I believe, and and that was the last one part of the 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 last uh, conference together, and then then I was symbol as a regional rep and then technology chair and and. Now, um, as uh, uh, president-elect, but um, I can just say that Quave is being like this um, butterfly. It, it was incubated in, in some some way, but now it is is flying along, and it is taking care of not only uh, professionals in the adult location, but um, Sarah, you mentioned um, the students, and this is the way that I can see the future, um, the student engagement, because our students are becoming professionals. Yeah. And those professionals sometimes are coming into our, our, our field or 
we are providing services beyond what we provide before, then it is a transformation of QAVE. And, and I, I think it is more the engagement of the past students that became professionals. And now it is it's time to give back to the community what they've been receiving from, from the um, local programs. And that's something that, so that's something that's really unique. So I, it's really unique to have a professional organization that does work to really include those who they serve. Um, and so how did, how did that students as leaders work begin? Because it, it certainly has been something that's um, supported by the board. Like you said, Hector, it's something mm -hmm. that um, those who are involved in COABE are passionate about, but it, it's also something that I really don't see in other professional organizations. I'm going to let Sharon talk a little bit about that because she was involved from the beginning of including um, the students. But from my experience being a student and being part of what Koe was doing, um, I was interested not only in, in what um, how to reach other professionals in the careers and, and be able to networking. When we're talking about, uh, or when we talk with some professionals across the country, we also talk in the same language, in adult education, literacy, and help others. Then that is a, a common practice for COI. Then when we are coming to um, the conference, I'm, I'm gonna use uh, our president's uh, uh, words. We're coming as a family. And COI is just growing as a family to almost 50,000 members. And that family is now to embrace those um, new members and those are the students. Then I think the idea when that um, uh, was brought to the board and, and to the COI uh, is just the board embraced the idea. And it's just, we. I think we are on the perfect time to see that grow. and, and we're going to work and we're going to do the best we can to to make that happen so true hector and so i remember when this really kind of kicked off in 2016 was the first time we took um folks to the capitol and i say we took because we we paid for it we found sponsorship to bring state directors state association leaders and where possible adult learners and understanding they had to leave jobs and children behind to come with us and we met some amazing adult learners there in, in DC who came from different areas of the country. And I know for me, it was such a light bulb. I thought to myself, why are we not including them more often in what we're doing? You know, how can we get them more engaged? And I should also uh, mention that in 2014 was the first time I can recall that we had a, a students as leaders strand at the conference. It was there in Pennsylvania. Um, and so that was just our first attempt at that. So that was kind of in the back burner, back of my mind. 2016, we went to the conference. Well, that 2017 was the year we kicked off our National Educate and Elevate Public Awareness Campaign. And I remember thinking, okay, there's millions of learners and there's only at best, I say only, but 79,000 in the system of adult education. And I think back, that, back then it was actually less than that. So I was just, just from a mathematical standpoint, I'm thinking if there was some way even to get 10% of those adult learners speaking up about their experience, 
because we know literacy, it, it's that pipeline. It transforms lives. It's that pipeline to jobs and the community college. It's what helps the, the mothers and fathers be able to reach to their children and help them with their homework. So I'm thinking, why are we not finding a way to bring these voices, these individuals along to share their personal story? So this Educate and Elevate National Public Awareness Campaign really was the impetus for that, for the Students as Leaders movement, because we know we need that. They, they tell their story best, right? So we need them to be a part of that. So along the way, we started working with different partners like Google and IBM SkillsBuild to bring in different benefits. So the IBM SkillsBuild, there's over 11,000 badges and credentials that adult learners can access for free. It makes them more employable. It's something they could put on their LinkedIn profile, on their resume. Google, we worked with them um, on the Google Applied Digital Skills so that every adult learner would have access to a Gmail account, but also all sorts of other um, learning that they could take place, they could take advantage of. And now we have the Google Scholars where they can access six different credentials with a median wage of $76,000 per year. So really helping them up and out of poverty into jobs that are there's a real need for, that are trending right now, that employers are looking for workers in. So we, we offer that. We also offer the $65,000 of free life insurance that they can apply for. We offer the opportunity to be featured in our um, student success campaign, as well as the alumni longitudinal study, um, where we're really trying to gauge the impact, the ROI of adult education in their lives over the course of years, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So our goal is to continue to grow that. We have a wonderful ambassador program that Aaron leads. Um, with the students as leaders chair from our board as well. And so I, I feel like we're just getting started. Like you said, Hector, you know, we just figured out kind of how to put our butterfly wings on mm -hmm. <laughs> and there's a lot more that we can do. Um, but I think we're on that, like we're right on that tip of like jumping off and figuring out all these additional pieces so that my goal would be 3.2 million learners are members of COAVE, you know, that would be my goal. All of those learners out there have joined the organization. And anybody who's gone through the SAFE Fellowship who has had um, meetings with people who have influence and have had an alumni or a current student there with them know that that's who they want to hear from. <laughs> they don't, you know, it, it doesn't matter how many years of experience I have teaching or working in a program they want to hear the lives that have changed. They want to hear how um, that person is now interacting in the community differently or engaging in employment differently than, than they had been prior. So that's, it's all very powerful work. It is, it is. And we do the, our job for, um, for, for the learners and we want to impact the communities. And that's true for, all the legislators, so they want to hear from the community and that's where um, students come um, to play a key role in everything that we do. But that's amazing. So Quaid started from this 300 educators getting together and having a conference and now there's so many things that you're doing, we're doing, we have state advocates um, that they are working on their safe. We have students as leaders trends. We, we have um, advocacy campaigns. And then we have our 
huge conferences that is such a great opportunity to go and learn from one another and with each other. And also now we are going to have um, strand for students to just be there and all the partnership that you just mentioned. I just want to see now that we started and you're doing all the work that you're doing, where do you see Koeb in the future? What's mm -hmm. in the future for Koeb? So, um, well, actually, Hector is present. Like, do you want to answer that, and I'll circle around after I, you. I can, I can, I can start, and I have an idea. And in, in, in the idea I, I mentioned that already, it is to connect with more students because we connecting with the professionals, but the voice is not being heard totally down to students. Then we need to in increment our ways of communication and the way that we communicate our voice and our mission from Quay to the student basis. How can we help you and that needs to go from our organization, from the board of directors to um, the um, associations that they're uh, linked to uh, COE and the associations to their members and the members to the local um, instructors and to students. That voice needs to be the same one. We don't want to have a um, disconnect phone that is being translated into different communication voices. Then that is one piece that we need to work on. We need to include those. But one piece that is needs to be key is we continue with the partnerships. Um, and this is a key that employers, we have that campaign behind uh, every employer. Mm -hmm. And we need to have the employers into the table and we need to continue to invite them because those are the ones that they're gonna be hire our um, students. And those are the, gonna be the ones that they're gonna be um, impacted directly uh, with the students and also in the in the means we need to be involved with our city um, um, managers because once we impact the community then we want to know what is there or need for um, the community and how can we as an adult education can contribute to the community our generations are changing the students that we are serving are a little different and we need to find the way to serve those students then what i see in the future again is increase the number of um, students participating on our efforts and streamline the communication that the message is the same from the top all the way to the bottom and engage employers I love it. So that's that's great. That's exactly where I think we're headed to. Um, one piece I would add to that at the local program level, um, oftentimes what we're talking about at the national level, it speaks to your your point, Hector. Maybe it doesn't make it to the local level. Maybe you know we're having these great conversations and talking with funders and that sort of thing, and then maybe it gets to the state level. But getting down into that local program and really bringing the the change that might be we're hoping for. Um, so for example, I'm just gonna say, we were working with a huge employer who really wanted to bring jobs to learners, huge employer. Actually, I think it is the biggest employer in, in our nation. And, um, you know, there was such a, they would say to me that like working at the national level is so different than when I'm going at the local level and trying to talk with these 
local program administrators. So how do we make sure that that's really clearly communicated? Hey, this is a huge employer that can help your learners. They're even willing to like bring instructors on the job to do on the job training, like to teach you know ESL classes or high school equivalency classes right there on the job. They want to work with you. You know, so how do we do that? But I also think another piece that goes with that is the excellence in local programming. You know, I could see that as a, a niche area for COABE to work with state directors and with local programs um, to, for that piece. Uh, I think when I think about our, you know, our four pillars, it's leadership, advocacy, communication, and professional development. So as the world continues to innovate and change, like how will we look at what's taking place and find not just our niche, because that's not the right word, but find a way to really um, continue to be that positive force for change, that unifying organization, that the common unifying voice is that we're all, it's all about adult education. That's the piece that unifies us all and brings us all together from all over the country from all different sorts of programs, from all different locations. Um, so I guess all that to say, like, I think, and I think about the future, I think about clarifying our voice, clarifying our messaging, you know, that piece, and continuing to innovate for the field, continuing to find ways to fill the needs that are out there. And, and Sarah, I'm just going to add one more thing. And this is something that I, I always talk to my staff and, and there's sometimes that we are in the balcony watching the dance. We need to go to the dance floor. And and I talk and, and I share this with, with Shakira and, and Sharon that we need to go to see a local program. We, as a COA board, um, and I being in, in the classroom and I being in as a director, instructor, and but now that I'm in the state, I'm, I'm missing the students. I'm missing the interaction with the students. And, and, and I think part of our board and part of our staff probably don't have that or, or haven't had that in the last few years. Then why not to go to the, class, to the classroom and visit some of the programs ourselves? And I think that's something that I like to, to move forward that we can go and visit um, a, a, a local program. And I don't know where it is, but um, we can find the ways to support a program to see what is the real needs from the bottom and from ourselves, instead of listen to those um, state directors or associations, then let's, let's go to the dance floor and, and, and see how that is going. Well, you and the board are always welcome to join my class. I'll volunteer. <laughs> well, we'll make food. We'll have a little celebration. Um, but I, I love what you've said because I think a lot of people who have kind of moved from the the faculty position to a programmatic or state level position, um, you know, are doing so because they they want to make those sweeping changes that can affect so many learners but it is it is difficult because then you you have that distance and so i i like that idea of of reconnecting mm -hmm. right innovating reconnecting and that is a challenge for administrators a lot of administrators 
even in the field, they started as an educator teaching in the classrooms. They started as volunteers and they were very familiar with the population that they started working with. And then as when they go farther and farther and they get caught up with the admin work, they sometimes lose touch with the nature of the students that we have this year now in our classrooms. So this is this is such an amazing um, opportunity for every administrator to get connected to students to learn from them. And you're all welcome to our programs. And I'm sure you will make the year for a program when you join them, visit their classes. And that's amazing. So yeah. Well, I'll say my classes are I mean, they're even blown away when I share with them that they can have free CoAve membership. They can attend the conference and their registration fee is waived. And, they, and they're just, uh, they're a bit shocked because they, they think this is a really big organization. And, you know, we see the, the, all of these different leveled prices. And for us, like it, I can just be part of it. Like you can't just be part of it. You you are part of it. Um, this is why Coeb is, is here. So sign it up, get connected. Yeah, it's such a good opportunity because when we have teachers, when we send our teachers to go to the conferences, we have to get a substitute teacher for the class, and the teacher has to say goodbye for a couple of days to the students and explain why they are not there. And it's there's always this question for the students that oh it's it must be interesting when you travel for work huh so where are you going oh how exciting tell us about it and i've seen so many teachers to take pictures and take some swag bags or swag they collect swag to bring to, to their students the pens and pencils and all of that and this is such a great opportunity that students can join their instructors to see where they are going and be with them um, virtually or in person. So that's exciting. Thank you. It's ex it is very exciting. Thank you to Erin for her work on the students as leaders strand with you, Sarah, um, as the strand coordinator and with Kristen Hempel, the students as leaders chair, because I know a lot of TLC has gone into this. Like our our folks have been very passionate about this and have really wanted to see it be successful. So I just want to thank you, you both for your hard work on that. Thank you. And now as we're kind of um, winding down here, I have one last question because you're saying we're almost at 50,000 members and we know COAB is 25 um quarter of a century um how many members were there when you when you joined coab so when i joined coab um i was i was just looking back on this the other day because that's that's a little bit of a different number than 2009 i came on board as the full-time administrator for COAB or manager um so I, I believe that when I joined or started working with Koei back in 1998, 99, I think it was 1999, um, I believe that we had like 1,200 and 
something members. Wow. And that kind of stayed that way for quite some time. In 2009, we had 1,379. I remember that number well. Because um, I remember, if you can believe this, it's a crazy story. But I remember we didn't have the money back then to send out the renewal notices. Mm -hmm. And I remember talking to the board president saying, but if we don't send out the renewal notices, nobody's going to join. Because this is back before we were using internet and listservs right. and things like this, you know. So that was a big deal. I had to go to the board for approval and all that to get out our membership notices, you know, so people would renew. Um, so it's come a long way. And I think the internet has really helped, obviously, being able to have a web presence, being able to um, have the different uh, online communities of practice that COAVE has. We have a number of different initiatives where we have leadership, professional development, communication, and advocacy at play, right? Working across mm -hmm. these different um, communities of practice. So certainly that's been huge. The conference, like you mentioned, Aaron and Sarah and Hector has been huge. Like as we've seen that grow, we changed our model. 2014 was the last time that we had the state association run the conference. And so from 2015 on, um, we've seen intensive growth for the national conference as well. Another area of real big growth has been partnerships. So not just partnerships at the state level, but partnerships with business and industry, really being intentional about who we want to partner with, like the Tysons and the Amazons and the Google and the U.S. Right. Chamber of Commerce and the National Governors Association and organizations like that being very intentional about that making sure we, we go, as you said, Hector, we go to their dance floor. We meet them where they're dancing and we yeah. reach in. So, and if we can, we bring a learner along with us, right? To tell the story about how adult education is transforming their lives. So um, it's been a wonderful journey. I have to say personally, there are times I'm literally moved to tears when I think about how thankful I am to have been able to work with our amazing board of directors who has always been open to ideas, like always, let's try this top field, let's try that. Let's put a few thousand dollars here and see if this will work. Our Educate and Elevate campaign started with $5,000 and it's it's helped wow. transform adult education. Well, I'm thankful for that $5,000 the board was willing to put towards that. You know, by God's grace and a lot of hard work and a lot of people get on board, it's, it's gone a lot further than we could ever imagine. And there's been other initiatives like that. So I think that would be my parting thought is, I am so thankful for good leadership. I am thankful for the board members who are typically teachers or administrators or sometimes even adult learners who come in and they give their time and resources and energy and talent to COAVE and help to create this environment where we can innovate and help meet the needs of the field. And I think that's so, um, that's something I don't always see too, you know, like, COIP has, has um, a board that is involved and passionate. And um, I'm always, always blown away by how much time and effort and care is put into to everything because I think, wait, this is voluntary. And you're, you know, you, you believe in this mission and you know what the impact could be and you're all in. And so that's, I think that's that's part of what really makes Coabe so so incredible. We are grateful for all the work that you are doing every day. Thank you so much. Thank you, Hector, and thank you, Sharon. Mm -hmm. um, we appreciate you. 
And for um, listeners and viewers who want to get in touch with you, uh, get engaged in social media, how can they find you, Hector? How can our viewers and listeners find you? Then they can uh, follow me on on uh, LinkedIn as Hector Martinez, and they will find me right away that I'm, I'm listed as a state director for um, Kansas and adult education. Um, I have Twitter as well, it's um, H Martinez. Um, but again, um, I think um, I just want to say thank you for um, having the opportunity to share with um, your community and with uh, all the listeners and viewers out there about COE um, past and, and, and future um, in those. Then thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. And I think everybody knows where to find you, um, Sharon. But for those of um, for those who don't know how to find you, would you please tell us how we can find you? Yes, like Hector, I'm on LinkedIn, and um, we love that the Coeb has two different. We have a Coeb LinkedIn group and a Coeb page. So I want to encourage you to join us there. And then also, I would love to connect with you personally on LinkedIn as well. I do have Twitter accounts. I use them primarily for legislative, um, you know, outreach, but I'm out there as well. And so I would love to connect with any of our members and all of our members. But I also want to just before we go, I want to say, Aaron and Sarah, thank you so much for your great work. First as State Advocate Fellows, you both knocked it out of the park with that. And now with this Advocast, which really gives a voice um, to not just adult learners, but to our field in general. So thank you for your amazing work. Thank you. Thank you for your support. <laughs> All right. Well, I am really excited for for the next guest we're going to um, bring on because we're going to bring be bringing on an adult learner and hearing her story. So thank you so much, Hector and Sharon. And we'll be back after a short break. Now that we are back from the break, it's time to bring Kim in. Welcome, Kimberly. Hello. Hi. Hello. Welcome to Advocast. <laughs> we Thank have you. heard some really amazing things about you from Sharon Bonnie. So I love her. <laughs> so you have you've connected with her, and we'd love to hear how that happened. Um, I met her on Capitol Hill um, when I initially started my um, success journey. Um, it started at um, Delta here, and I, we briefly kind of had like an elevator conversation, just really quick. Um, it wasn't, we didn't have time because the bus was taking us from one place to the other, um, and in maybe three blocks away. So in, in a matter of three blocks, we had a lot to say. And um, that moment was so precious for me because she did give me the confidence to continue not only that, um, but to be myself on Capitol Hill. And I can I was able to go in with um, total confidence and connecting with these people in high positions. I was so terrified that um, just telling her who I am, my background, where I come from, she was so moved by it. And I truly believe that in that moment, 
she wanted to see me succeed. So it's been since that day, um, we have never lost contact. And she always keeps up with me, want to know how I'm doing, what's next. And um, and she gives me um, so many kind words. I truly appreciate her so much for all that she's done. Oh, that's very sweet. Sharon is a very nice person. And I can I can imagine how um, how much energy she gave you that day. But um, we also heard a lot of good things about you and fangirl you um, until we brought you here. So tell us about yourself. Tell us about um, what what brought you to adult education and um, everything, everything that you told her, told us, tell us too. Okay. It's been a while ago. Um, so I initially, um, what brought me to adult education is I was in a spot in my life where it was either, and I don't know if I can actually say this, but um, it was either losing my life or taking my, because I didn't feel the need to live anymore with all the, um, just with all the circumstances that I was encountering in that moment and, or survive. I had two options, survival kit then. Um, the depression and the um, heartache, it just, it, it overwhelmed me completely. And I knew in that moment that um, if I didn't make the choice that I made, that life would be tough, not only for me, but for my children. So when I was, and take just a little background on me, when I was 12 years old, um, and I don't think a lot of people talk about this, but I will put it on the forefront for someone else who may have encountered what I did when I was younger. I wasn't privileged enough to be born into um, a financial stable home or even just a base, a good basic home. I was born in poverty and uh, my mom, she was, um, she used drugs and my father, he was the drug dealer. So put to, uh, together, you have us. Um, it was kind of hard for us um, in those times. We grew up very, very um, unfortunate um, and it, it was a, a struggle for a long time. When I was 12 years old, um, and I don't think a lot of people talk about this, but I was um, molested by a friend of the family. And as sad as it sounds, after spending time in psychology a little bit, it does cause you to make bad choices. Or um, for me, I went into what they call self-destruction because I didn't want to talk about it. I was ashamed. And not only was I ashamed, I was terrified because I had to live among this person. So um, I began to experiment with, um, and I have not shared this before, but I will share this today. Um, and it, it's up to you if you want to leave it out or not, but I did um, in, in my uh, entire time, I attempted four times, I attempted um, self-destruct. And um, all four times, I was a little bit successful every time. Um, but thank God that uh, I'm here today. After, my, after that, I finally opened up at the age of 23. By the time I had three children, um, one was special needs 
she uh, had a seizure disorder. She was born with a seizure disorder. And um, I would spend months at a time, weeks at a time in the hospital, trying to figure out what was the cause behind it, how um, treatments, she had five different doctors um, 90 miles away from where I stayed. And I had to leave my other children back so that I can take care of her. And it was it was real hard for, for me because I had no education. There was no education for me. So the job that I had in the small apartment and the small put together vehicle that I had, it would all be jeopardized in this moment. I could lose it all. It wasn't much to no one else, to anyone else, but it was everything to me. And lo and behold, my job, they called me and they told me that, well, they gave me an ultimatum. They said that either you come in or we will have to replace you. And I had explained so many times, I'm at the hospital, I'm in here with doctors. Can you please just spare me, you know, um, grace me with another week. I promise I'll be there. But unfortunately, I did lose my job. And once I lost my job, I lost my home and I lost my vehicle. So me and my children became homeless. Um, we did um, kind of sleep from couch to couch. I had no home. And in this moment, the moment that I was telling you about, the survival moment, you have two choices. I made an unconscious decision to go to school. I had dropped out at 14 years old and I did not know um, how I was going to do it. I didn't, I didn't know how to read or write per se. Um, not that I could remember anyways, um, because I was so young. And when I did approach the school, um, there was a small, uh, a small little store on the side. And I went in that store and on my way there, um, there was a kind of like a dollar store. And I remember I brought just a, a notebook and a pack of pens. Once I bought that, uh, I headed to, I, I went into the school. I was terrified. I was like, oh no, I can't do this. But lo and behold, when I went there, um, the people that was there, they were, um, they were very welcoming. Um, I had um, so much support. They finally figured out after a while, I kept leaving the school and, and I told no one, I told no one I would just up and leave class, but they knew I was dedicated. I would be the first one there and the last to leave and even did extra hours if they open um, on a Saturday or I'm sorry, on a Friday, the school will open on a Friday. And that was time you would study with the instructor kind of one-on-one a little bit. Um, I would attend, I would be there. And one of the professors finally figured out why is she leaving? I mean, I, as soon as I get the call, I have to go because it's normally it's my daughter and she's either seizing or she has been picked mm. up. Um, so it's an emergency. So finally, one day, one of the instructors, she asked me, she said, um, I'm just not trying to get in your business, but why do you keep leaving? <laughs> and I explained to her what was going on. And she was like, oh, my God, I had no idea that that was happening. She says, is there anything that we can do? And I just I kind of just let it all out. And I she said, hey, we're going to give you a counselor. And when I met this counselor, I never forget her. She broke a lot of barriers in my life. I was able to learn more, um, not knowing that barriers keep you hindered from a lot of things, but those barriers kept me from a lot of things. And most of it was my childhood. 
that um, those barriers stood and they really kept me away from success. But um, lo and behold, uh, I was chosen um, to do, they felt that my story was unique and um, they wanted, you know, needed to, to go to Capitol Hill. I didn't know what to expect. I was kind of terrified. Um, but again, I met Miss Sharon Bunny and she gave me that confidence. She was like, hey, you got this, you know, just go in there, tell your truth and, uh, con- you know, just be honest. And uh, I began to connect with the legislators and told them my story. And they was just like, and then <laughs> they was like, oh, my God, and you're here today. And I'm like, uh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of here with you. <laughs> so uh, that's that's kind of a brief background on everything. I didn't mean to go so deep with a few things, but um, it is my truth. And I know that someone else may be in the same position um, or even worse. And I would just like to give them hope, even if it costs me putting my humiliation in the forefront, I will take that if it will help someone else. Oh my God. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing. No problem. This needs a lot of self-confidence and bravery to share your truth and your story. And I assure you that it will inspire so many people, so many people that are now needing that sign to get back up and yeah. continue that's their sign. Mm-hmm. And thank you for sharing. That is no problem. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm at a loss for words. <laughs> I was trying to think. I was, yeah, I can really that it's it's incredible. Um, and just to to again repeat what Sarah said, like thank you for uh for sharing that with learners because I I know that there are people who maybe are are in that dark place. Yes. And they might be people who are not yet in our classes or they might be people who are. Mm-hmm. And I think what you said too about you know you were working with a counselor who helped you to identify some of those barriers mm-hmm. and to break those down. Um, could be really helpful for them because I know that many people uh, might see talking to somebody as just a really terrifying step. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it's it's incredible, and I I'd love to hear what you're doing now. Okay, um, well, I don't know where to start because it's been a it's been a while. <laughs> Um, so right after I received my high set, it took me about seven months to finally get my high set. Um, I immediately enrolled into um, a community college, Delta Community College. They also, um, they used me as kind of their poster child. <laughs> and um, I did for Delta the, the same. There's actual a documentary for Delta kind of dealing with the same same thing here. Um, right after Delta, I, um, I received my associate's degree in early childhood education. My initial goal was to start a child care center, um, but I don't believe the Lord was done with me yet. And I 
had my own plans. However, I enrolled into Grumman State University where I received a four-year um, bachelor's degree um, in early childhood um, development, um, language and literacy. I later then um, got into the I teach program where I became a teacher, um, second grade ELA. Um, I'm a four year, um, a three year teacher. This be going on my fourth year teaching. Um, I'm currently at the process where I'm getting my license, my teacher license. And I'm also a master's student at Jackson State University. Well, I'll be graduating in May this, um, this spring with my master's in early childhood um, curriculum and instruction. Um, I also serve on the leadership team at my job um, where I uh, collaborate with the administration and different teachers. Um, <laughs> it's, it's been a while. Also, I was just recently promoted as the uh, youth pastor at my church <laughs> where um, I wow. my youth um, and they promoted me as the um, Louisiana youth pastor for Pilgrim um, Assembly. Oh my goodness. Oh my God. Yes. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank wow. you. So much. That's it's success so after success after success. That's, yeah. oh my goodness. You'll have to update us when you get your master's degree. Absolutely. In Absolutely. So exciting. <laughs> we might not be there with you celebrating in person, but we will be there to send you all the good vibes and happy vibes. So Kimberly, I know that it was you shared your story with yeah. such confidence and calmness, but I'm sure when you started, it was not easy. There no. were a lot of ups and downs and sometimes we would get hard. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes you even wanted to quit. Um, there might be a lot of students that are in our programs and um, they are struggling to pass a test to get their high school equivalency or a complete a certification. Um, what's your advice for those students? My advice for those students is that success is not given, it's earned. Um, mentally, you have to push forth every day because there is that small, there's that small voice in the back of your head that tell you that, you know, um, may discourage you. Um, I'm, I want to speak for everyone, but I would tell them to keep going. Never give up, even when it looks bad, even when it seems that you it's not a comfortable accomplishable for you um, due to your circumstances. We all have circumstances and yours, mine is no bigger than yours. Um, we just have to push through every day. I can, um, if I can share something with you, if it may encourage you to keep going, I will share this also. Um, when my child was in the second grade and she came to me for help, and I was unable to help my child, I knew I had to do something. There was no way I would see a frown on my child's face because mommy didn't know. I wanted to know. And that's what I did. With everything in me, with everything in you, never give up. And the sky is the limit. Actually, it's not even the sky, it go beyond the sky. 
And I know in my circumstances where I come from, nothing. There's a whole lot for us. And I, one thing I had to understand is it wasn't where I was born or where I come from or my background. It's what, what's ahead and what I wanted for myself and for my children. Once I realized that success was at hand reach and all I had to do was grab it because I wanted it, everything opened up from there. Everything opened up from there, even from being homeless to being a homeowner or never owning a good car to purchasing two brand new cars and having my daughter, 19 year old, 19 years old in college um, on her second year um, as a risk management major. Um, and she's she's doing awesome. And had I never took that step, not only could it have affected me, but my children and my children's children, because we want the cycle to stop. If you want better, you just have to reach out and get it because it's at arm reach. Oh my God. We say that you educate a mom, you just not educate one person. By educating a mom, you're not just educating one person. You educate all the generations after. Yes, absolutely. And congratulations to you and to your daughter. Thank you so much. And and Kimberly, again, thank you so much for, for honoring us with your story, for absolutely. sharing it with listeners. And um, I, I know it's going to get to some people who really needed to hear it. Um, and just knowing that you sharing your story is helping to empower others or give them courage, give them hope when, when they might feel um, a lack of those right now. So thank you so much for, um, for joining us. You're welcome. Yeah. It was an honor. And stay in touch, please. Oh, sure. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. We want to shout you out in, in May on the podcast. You got to send us a picture of you in your cap and gown Absolutely. as a master's <laughs> um, student. Well, no, graduate. And we'll make sure we share that far and wide because we are so, so excited for you. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank, Thank you all so much. So nice meeting you all. Nice talking to you and nice meeting you. Thank you. You're welcome. Wow. Oh my God. I'm so inspired. I'm very happy that we got this opportunity to talk to Kimberly. She brings the message of hope and courage. And I'm very happy that we had this opportunity to, to know her. And I think it really, I love that her she speaks to that encouragement that Sharon gave her because um, so many times on our, on the podcast, we hear students talk about the, the impact of their teachers um, and anybody at the program level or higher might be thinking, yeah, but what can I, what can I do? Um, and really just making that connection and encouraging somebody is, is monumental. So, wow. I am so Excited. I hope that the listeners love this podcast uh, episode as much as we did. And stay tuned for the stay next tuned. episode.